Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast of ducks that cook and eat turkeys. <laughs> talking animal hierarchy right out of the gate can only mean we've entered the Disney universe for a look at 1999's direct-to-video special, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. I'm waterfowl trapped in an endless time loop in a cabin in the woods, Mike Westfall, and joining me in this calendar prison are my friends from the archive, John Dedeke and Drew Crowley. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hello. Thank you. So, did I read right that this is new to you both? Yes. Well, me. there's an asterisk around uh, my response oh. to that. Okay. Yes, this uh, this is the first time that I've ever uh, watched this t- while paying attention to it. Okay. But uh, <laughs> upon closer review, I realized that I was exposed uh, quite regularly to Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas uh, in 1999 when it was released while I was working at a video store in the mall, ah. and it was regularly on in store play. But I think it. it was mostly played during the holiday season when I never really had time to stand around and watch the TVs, so it was it was fairly fresh. You know, I think they actually played it, or clips of it, uh, when I worked at a record store I- in 2000. Yeah, They did not play it at the frozen custard stand that I worked at. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're talking November 1999. This was released directly to VHS. And by then, we're already in the thick of what I've affectionately called in the past the attack of the Disney sequels. So, mm. so Disney, the direct-to-video sequels, no yes. less. That started with the return of Jafar in, I think, 1995. So we've already been there. Um, <laughs> Someone's heinous wish on Jafar's uh, <laughs> lamp was to have more Disney sequels. That explains so much. But this appears to be one of, if not the first, non-sequel direct-to-video movie from Disney. Now, Wikipedia lumps Pooh's Grand Adventure in that category, but I don't know whether to call shenanigans (laughs) on that. Yeah, and this one really, too, seems like, um, I guess you could, it is definitely original, but it, uh, it's not, well, yeah, (laughs) put an asterisk on that one, too. Yeah. But it is, uh, it's an original release, uh, but it's not a feature. It's an anthology. I was just going to say, I, can you count this as a feature? Well, Disney does, so what else can I say? <laughs> this will be listed on the uh, features tab of Disney+. Plus. <laughs> there was uh, one point where John and I on the archive did, you know, a series on all the Disney features and they have a website that lists them like what they consider their official, like their line of, of features. Yes. And I, I don't think that this was on there. No, it is not part of that canon though. The other, <laughs> other such films that are split up in the segments are, but that was like during and right after world war two. So Quite remote. <laughs> but you had like make mine music and yeah. Oh, I can't even remember all of them. Um, Me- the melody Ichabod time. Crane melody yeah. time. Yeah, Ichabod Crane, a, Mr. Toad. Yeah, and then uh, the Three Caballeros. That's considered yes an official oh, yeah. feature. 
Saludos, amigos. That's a movie? That's it. <laughs> but like those, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is split up into three segments linked by three simple gifts, as we're told by our narrator, Kelsey Grammer. Nice. <laughs> he, I thought he was good. Yeah, he did a good job. He just, I think he, he did fine. He had a good, gentle holiday voice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was what, Cheers wasn't going anymore at this point, right? No, that this was, was that was long done. No, this was he was in Fraser mode. He's in Fraser mode. <laughs> <laughs> He's living off that Fraser money at yeah, this point, and, and doing the occasional <laughs> appearance as Sideshow Bob. <laughs> All right. Uh, but our first of these three gifts is a toy sailboat, which brings us into our first segment: stuck on Christmas. Starring Donald Duck and his nephews in a retelling of the short story Christmas Every Day by mm-hmm. author William Dean Howells, originally published in 1892. But since that's super old, everyone just thinks this is a ripoff of Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> that was what came to mind for me. Oh, yeah. So, um, it's weird to see Donald's nephews that the. Well, so. I've, I recently have watched the new DuckTales, which okay. is pretty good. Yeah. And have somewhat gotten used to those, to Huey, Dewey, and Louie in that uh, version. And so it was interesting. I had, I had gotten used to them enough that it was weird to hear the original voices okay. of those three. Mm. Or at least the original DuckTales voices. Right. I don't know if, if the early, early nephews were... They just all sounded like Minnie Rossi Donald. Taylor or whatever. No, 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 no. In the beginning, they all just sounded like Minnie Donald. Right, right. Uh, but Not Minnie Mouse Donalds, but <laughs> miniature Donalds no. is what you're saying. No, 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 no. The Rossi Taylor versions from DuckTales yes. do sound like Minnie Mouse Donalds because she's also the voice of Minnie Mouse. Right. Yeah, that uh, – well, and that was kind of a reverting back to that because this was after Quack Pack. If you remember that, this was after I mean, Quack this Pack. This was after Quack Pack. No um, way. Which, and I believe that was the first time each nephew had a distinct voice. But no, we're back right. to Rusty Taylor in in this universe. Or time. I'm surprised this is post Quack Quack Pack Quack Pack. Quack Pack. That started, I think, in '96. So. Wow. And in Quack Pack, they were also given differing kind of outfits. That's right. That's mm. um, <clears throat> this, I think this one is my favorite of the three in Might this anthology. Um, and I feel like the nephews are also aged up a bit from their DuckTales years. I think you're right. Now that you mention it, I didn't, I didn't even think about that until now, but I only say that in as as far as height, I feel like they're taller. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, that would that would make sense given that this is chronologically yeah. a little bit past. So it, it, it stands to reason that you're catching up with these adolescent ducks in their um, well uh, middle time, school years. <laughs> yeah. Time works very oddly throughout mm-hmm. this whole production. We'll get to a little bit of what I mean later, but. I really want these 
like I really want Once Upon a Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas to exist in a timeline where the characters are constantly aging. <laughs> so so that if they were to make Thrice Upon a Christmas today, that those nephews, you know, would be in their twenties at this point or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, has there ever been a version of Huey, Dewey, and Louie that were, like, say, beyond teenagers mm-hmm. no, that either of you know about? Not that I know of. I think Quack Pack is the closest they've come to. That's like the old stick guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're very hip. In <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking this up just to see if, if that's ever happened. I feel like DuckTales could potentially have had some kind of time travel situation if that would have showed them. And I'm right. Oh, what did you find? Sort of. There's an episode uh, called duck to the future. It's episode 52. Um, if you didn't know that, Titles a reference to Back to the Future. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the picture now. <laughs> uh, are you looking at the photo? <laughs> yes. So it's Huey, Dewey, and Louie in kind of portly almost adult bodies, yes. but they're regular childish heads. It's it's quite a, a letdown. Whereas <laughs> Webby, there's also an image of Webby, Webigail having grown up. Oh, dear. Much much more interesting, you know, uh, and that are much more interesting. Um, like what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> um, she looks like, she, I, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> she her looks like she's dressed for some space age future. Exactly. Uh, and all of her body has grown, including her yeah. hair. Whereas <laughs> Huey, Dewey and Louie's heads have not grown. No. And they were still wearing their hats, but they're in suits. <laughs> Though it looks like Louie might have a comb over going on. It's hard to wow. tell because he's wearing a hat. Oh, they're right. No, yeah, they all do have kind of longer hair. All right. Sorry. That was a. No, that's fine. <laughs> that answered my question. Back to this time travel story where Huey, Dewey, and Louie wake up one Christmas morning to the sound of Chip and Dale, who live in a hollow tree outside the bedroom window of their house in the middle of a snow-covered nowhere. Right. <laughs> is that where they live, or is that a holiday home? I'm going with holiday home. That's what I'm thinking. Because there's nothing. they got to be careful of the icy patch. So they holiday, they holiday where it's, where it's cold. Well, for Christmas. Or are you saying it's their Christmas holiday? It's their oh. Christmas holiday home. I mean, yeah. it might be nice in the summertime. I don't know. <laughs> John Denver, Rocky Mountain Holiday. <laughs> the, and the and the, the Chip Chip and Dale are like playing with a a model train, aren't they? Yes, but it only goes around the Christmas tree. Uh, but it's just their size. I forget what they they. What do they say? There's some. They say all I aboard. Could... Next stop Waterville. Which is not a place that I know of in Disney canon. I know there's right. a Waterville in Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. 
but I uh, oh. no, we are yeah that that's not Disney but Henson that's, kept that one. yeah yeah but that is kind of intriguing because there are some <clears throat> I would get I would say relatively obscure references throughout this whole uh, collection there are like and and it, it I, I say relatively obscure because they're like in the grand scheme of Disney references I guess maybe they're not so obscure but for a movie that is ostensibly supposed to distract your children while you're wrapping christmas presents or whatever (laughs) which i assume was the original intention of this production it it seems strange that they took that went to such levels to include some references so who knows maybe one of the one two three four five six seven screenwriters on this production (laughs) is a fan of emmett otter (laughs) very possible well, the three rush downstairs to open their gifts to the chagrin of their Uncle Donald, who angrily reminds them they're supposed to wait for the family to arrive, which they immediately do. Uh, we have Uncle Scrooge, played by Alan Young. And again, yeah. this is the DuckTales incarnation of Scrooge, not the Mickey's right. Christmas Carol Scrooge. So this one loves Christmas. Right. We have right. Daisy Duck, and this is the first time she is voiced by Tress McNeil. Donald! They're just enjoying my Christmas dinner. Uh. And who still voices Daisy Duck. But if you are not familiar with that name, she has been Babs Bunny and Dot Warner from Animaniacs and Principal Skinner's mother on The Simpsons. Um, (laughs) She is a voice acting luminary. Indeed. Uh, And Tress McNeil is also the voice of our third house guest, the very tall and overly affectionate Aunt Gertie. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we've ever seen before on TV, but she is apparently an established character in Donald Duck comic lore named Gertie Goose. So, well, is she in the comic lore? Is she a relative? She is a distant. She is a great aunt to Donald. So out on the Internet, there is a comically <laughs> enormous handmade duck family tree. Yeah. Which I am putting in the show notes because it's. <laughs> It is very huge. Someone has taken a painstaking amount of time piecing all these things together. It's it's huge and very poorly done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I could not figure out what certain connections meant. And if I'm right, it's alleging that Donald and Daisy have seven children. Wow. Well, no, yeah, no, that is what they're alleging. Um, at least in various timelines. They don't kind of split up that. <laughs> so at one point, Donald and Daisy may have had three children, either in a dream sequence. They're probably uh-huh. putting dream sequences in this. Yeah. But in some comic instance, there were seven individual children that this person counted. Yeah. Uh, were claimed by Donald and Daisy. but. So. <laughs> that thing is impossible to read, this this tree, family tree. So they pulled out Aunt Gertie somewhere out of this giant family tree in comic book lore. Uh, but as far as animation is concerned, she only exists inside this segment of a Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well. she's a great addition. Oh, she yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is basically that one relative that... Is just very affectionate and comes in. Where, Where are, are my boys? boys? Where are my kisses? 
so I could just eat you up. <laughs> Christmas Day zooms by as it always does. The boys go out and ride their new sleds, pig out at dinner, and mm-hmm. I hinted at this at the top. For dinner, Daisy, a duck, cooks a turkey. Right. <laughs> right. So ducks and geese are established as higher on the food chain than turkeys, and I'm assuming chickens. Do they have to fight that out? Oh, that's, I don't. That's a good question. I just assumed they have like kind of a rotation going for holidays, and maybe like <laughs> at Christmas or at uh, Easter, you know, like the the turkeys and the geese are you know friends, and they cook a duck, and then maybe like for Fourth of July, it's the the turkeys and the ducks that you know have a goose for <laughs> Fourth of July. For dinner. <laughs> it's like it's the turduck and hunger games. <laughs> That's why they're in the middle of the wilderness, isn't it? Yeah. That stands to reason. Yeah, It all makes so much sense now. Well, bedtime arrives and Huey, Dewey, and Louie reluctantly trudge upstairs, which in Christmas and the Turducken Hunger Games could last longer. <laughs> and that's when they decide to wish upon a star that it could be Christmas every day. And it's Disney, y'all. So wishing upon a star is already established as working. Yeah. We wrote a whole song about it. We talked about yeah. it before. So, of course, they wake up to the same rambunctious noise of Chippendale riding their new toy train and realize it's Christmas again. It's It would have been fun if this had been Rescue Rangers Chippendale. Oh, it would have been in the bomber jacket. <laughs> yeah, and in the Hawaiian. <laughs> PI, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But only the three nephews realize that it's Christmas again, so they enjoy right. this for a few days until the reality of repeating the same day trapped in a time loop starts to wear on them. Now... They kind of learn the same... Well, I don't want to jump ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, they kind of learn the same lesson that Bill Murray does in Groundhog Day. And they, and they follow a very sim- similar trajectory, I there feel. There are a lot of similar beats here. Not all of the Groundhog Day beats. Uh, no. No. They're not out Some there. of the more no. <laughs> dour ones are not yeah. represented but, here. But unlike Groundhog Day, the nephews appear to retain certain physicalities over each recurring day. Like Louis mentions if he eats another turkey, he'll burst. Uh, and he briefly appears to have a full mm-hmm. stomach one morning. So... So now I'm wondering if this continued longer, would they age? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And would they ever catch, would the family ever catch on? I would they, would, so. you know, would Aunt Gertie show up and be like, wow, you really did get so big. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since you've never <laughs> seen me on television. <laughs> After that observation, they decide one day to change it up and be even bigger jerks to everyone. So they open and play with their toys early and wreck breakfast and approaching Aunt Gertie, uh, who is, again, that she she wants her kisses when she gets in. So they approach her in full scuba gear. (laughs) It was a great shot. That was a great shot. Uh, and swapping Daisy's cooked turkey with a live one, mm-hmm. causing Christmas ruining chaos that destroys everything in the house. In, in the earlier iterations of the day, when they're at dinner, 
And mm. I feel like the boys are pretty rambunctious throughout at dinner. And it's just sort of like escalates. Yes. But I, early on, Daisy's, Daisy's kind of cool with it, isn't she? She's like, like Donald's getting agitated. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you boys need to chill out. Right. And Daisy's like, you know, Donald, you need to chill out. Like, <laughs> I think they, they, they like burp or something or they make right. some kind of, you know, crude noises <laughs> and she, and she's like flattered by it. It seems. Well, they get, they, you know, warm up to her and she's like, we love your cooking, Auntie. Yeah, that's oh, right. Auntie. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which it, depending on the show or the medium, like the, sometimes they add aunt, sometimes they don't, but here she is aunt Daisy. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yes. They immediately regret this last decision when they see an utterly defeated Donald lying under a Donald Christmas tree. And that's when they notice the card they've never bothered to read with their sleds. And it's the old Christmas is about more than gifts. It's about love and family. (laughs) That old yard. (laughs) It hits them right in the feelings. Yeah. And they decide to make the following day the best Christmas ever. Yeah. I was just going to say, I really enjoyed their sort of final Christmas day. Yeah, well, we see them staying up all night working on something. And then the following day, they go through a much more courteous Christmas, this time making Donald look like even more of a jerk because he knows something's up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, something is up, and the boys reveal this thing they were building overnight. It's a little wooden sailboat for Donald out of what appears to have been their sleds. Right. So here's what I want to know. When does the time loop start? Did right. they start building that mm-hmm. boat after midnight? Exactly. It's clearly not six o'clock. Yeah. Like when could they when when could they go downstairs to the closet and find the sleds, you know, that they had previously sledded on? Right. Clean and not yet used and yeah. I guess at 11.59, it's the old sleds that they had used. And then midnight. Right. We have to assume Donald had them in there already. If not, we're in trouble. Well, I like to believe that they. this was actually like a a uh, multi-time loop day process. And they were actually like, they found a way to like stash each day's. In their stomachs. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they just apparently regurgitated them. Yeah. (laughs) Anything (laughs) they ingest goes with them. They're like (laughs) slowly and surely Andy Dufraining this boat together. (laughs) (laughs) I like um, they, I believe in the the very beginning of this short, they sort of hint at Donald's love for boats because he has a clock or something. Oh, yeah. It's like a little boat. It's, you know, swaying on the oh, yeah. on the waves. And it's a nice little hint that, you know, at what's to come. Well, and as he's snoring, he's kind of muttering in his sleep. Right. Away. Oh, yeah. And he's wearing his Captain Crunch hat through a lot of this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's not Captain Crunch wears his hat kind of sideways. Right. This is like if you took a Captain Crunch hat and turned it. Cute. So it's like Mohawk. Uh, <laughs> alignment. It's like a baseball player wearing his hat crooked. That's Donald. Yeah, he doesn't understand right. how hats work. <laughs> but it's hard to tell which of 
the nephew's actions carry over and which don't. But no matter, because this one final Christmas where the boys are kind and loving and not jerks to everyone breaks the time loop. And they even invite the turkey to dinner in which Daisy now cooks a ham. <laughs> did they, uh, <laughs> did, does this mean that pigs are every, part of the turducken hunger games? Well, <laughs> my question was going to be in prior Christmases of that in their time loop mm. was Daisy killing this turkey like like is this the turkey did they save it you know was she oh, it's hard like to the morning of yeah, Christmas yeah. it's the same turkey every time that she goes out and grabs and locks its head off and plucks it and cooks it and they so now it's not the butterfly effect it's the turkey effect yeah. we have a turkey that was <laughs> supposed to die Flapping for their <laughs> Christmas dinner but now it yeah. lives <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the turkey lives outside but is eating a pig whose species oh. we've seen live indoors <laughs> and wear clothes in this universe are you just fair game if you don't watch your back <laughs> well so I thought I have thought about this in, in other iterations of Disney Duckiverse type things <laughs> and I feel like I, I wonder if there is like intelligent um, animals, you know, like intelligent ducks and then ones that aren't, you know, that are more like the ducks we're familiar with. Hmm. Uh, so maybe that goes for pigs and because, you know, the ever present like conundrum of Disney is you have Pluto who's a dog and is, you know, Mickey's dog. And then you have Goofy who is a dog, but, walks and talks and goes to work and has a son and <laughs> wears pants. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, Drew, as, as a relatively new, newer father, you will surely begin to start at one point watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And in that universe, there are lower totem pole ducks. Mm-hmm. And Donald adopts one and names it Donald Jr. <laughs> something really we disturbing. never see his nephews in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, but Donald Jr. is a recurring character. Oh, wow. <clears throat> that speaks to your theory, Drew. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, I cracked it. it. Does. And with that, that wraps up the Donald segment. Uh, yeah. Which brings us to our next segment, A Very Goofy Christmas. And this one... Stars Goofy and his son Max, who we know from Goof Troop and a Goofy movie. But speaking of weird time placements, this mm-hmm. Max is actually younger right. than we've seen him ever before Goof Troop or a Goofy movie. Yeah. And Goof Troop had, I guess a quack pack had, been, had existed by this point. Goof Troop no. must have. Yes. No. Yes. Goof Troop, it did. Goof Troop came before Quack Pack. Either. Right, right. Quack so. Pack exists because Goof Troop did well. Right. <laughs> That's why we got Quack Pack. <laughs> when your Goof Troop begets your Quack Pack, eventually it's Once Upon a Christmas. So on, on the IMDb page, it lists Max's name as Max Goof. Yeah, that's so. Canon. Well, is Goofy's last name Goof? Yep. <laughs> that's that's official. <laughs> Did not know that. Oh, yeah. 
See, I'm so again, I'm surprised that this all follows like this. Um, Once Upon a Christmas is after Quack Pack and after Goof Troop because in my head I was like, well, this must precede those because the nephews are not as old as they are in Quack Pack and they're not, and Max is not as old as he is in Goof Troop. Yeah. But I think, I think I would posit that even though this shows us a younger Max, that Max is the right age compared to the nephews in uh, in the in the first short. Probably right. They're about the same. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of, in my uh, timeline idea where we have, <laughs> we're seeing them age in time, <laughs> that, that we've got the right ages going, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how dog ears compare to duck ears. <laughs> <laughs> I should have looked that up. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, the beginning of this is Goofy and Max trying to chase down a mail truck so Max can mail his letter to Santa Claus. And then you get this late 90s extreme sports sequence of bicycling and Goofy kind of just goofying his way across the mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this where we see uh, CEO shorts? Is, is one of those stores in the mall? Yes. CEO is it? Shorts. That's the toy store. It's yeah. called yeah. CEO Shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Which I get that those are both, you know, it's a play on FAO Schwartz. Right. And, you know, there is a thing, such a, a such thing as a CEO, and there are such things as shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I know those words, but that makes no sense. <laughs> Anyway, Uh, they finally catch up with the mailman and their task complete. Max's neighbor, Pete, takes it upon himself to laugh in this child's face and tell him there's no Santa. We must establish here the rest of Pete's family, including his son, PJ, from Goof Troop, are nowhere to be seen in this special. So it's just Pete being a jerk to the neighbor kid. Probably because he's already crushed his tiny child's heart. I don't know. Yeah, do we think that that Pete's family does exist but is not seen in this? Yeah, did they abandon him uh, for Christmas? <laughs> or did he abandon them? Seems yeah. more like Oh, yeah. Mm. Could go either way here. Uh, well, now Max is preoccupied with the possibility that Santa might not exist. And this lingers as Goofy takes him to help with a Christmas Eve dinner with some less fortunate neighbors. Uh, Always the positive role model, Goofy. Yeah. He's preparing dinner (laughs) for some other family. And you know they're not on familiar terms because they call him Mr. Goofy. (laughs) Not Mr. Goof, which is his last name. So doing Christmas right, right down the dressing as Santa Claus and giving out gifts. So yeah, and initially relieved Max, happy to see Santa in the flesh, is becomes devastated as another kid inadvertently yanks off the hat and beard, revealing Max's dad. Mm-hmm. What a dark turn, right? <laughs> I mean, he really takes this hard. He's pissed. He feels tricked <laughs> and betrayed. 
And Goofy tries in vain to cheer up his son again. And it's here I need to add that Goofy also believes in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. in the cute adult wink-wink way, in the childlike, but while an adult kind of Urkel, unwavering right. way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is kind of, if you think about it, a, a really... Um, brutal concept raised by this short and i will argue that like all of these shorts in their own way raise some pretty heavy uh emotional and moral concepts but like this one like he he is not just you know trying to it's not just an expression of love for his son he's not just trying to maintain this uh notion that santa exists in order to make his son happy, he believes it to his yeah. core. Right. Yeah. So he's he's trying not he's trying to make his son happy, but he's also like he he can't even conceive of the idea that he would just be trying to make his son happy. He's just trying to tell the truth as far as he sees it. Right. Sure. And of his son I'm doesn't gonna, believe him. Yeah. Of course, I'm cool to stay up all night until we actually see Santa Claus because yeah. it's going to happen. And that's what they do. They go up on the roof. But as it gets late, and there was a false alarm at Pete's, which was a beagle boy. It is a beagle boy. Yes. Robbing Pete's house. That was very exciting to me. A beagle boy showed up. I wonder which one. Yeah, he (laughs) doesn't have any lines or anything. He's just. Is there a beagle family tree online? There must be. (laughs) Well, it's Ma and all the others. But after this, Goofy slips and falls off the roof, uh, which Max predicted because his father is Goofy. Right. (laughs) And now that puts Goofy in a funk, and Max is the one left to try and cheer up his dad. Uh, That, man, that was the saddest moment um, in this this whole movie is Goofy being sad. It is not fun seeing a dejected Goofy, people. No. Nothing can prepare you for that. No. no. But now Max finally understands all his dad has tried to do was make everyone happy. So he takes it upon himself to dress up in his dad's Santa suit <laughs> and and make his way all the way down the chimney. And an overjoyed Goofy tries to get him to meet his son, of course, uh, which leads to a chase <laughs> up the chimney. Oh, he says something like, Oh, I thought you'd be taller. Well, camera ads. Oh, I forget what he said. Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm so happy you came. Doors. I thought you'd be taller. And you look trimmer than you do in your pictures. Well, uh, you know, uh, camera ads, 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's a great uh, little Santa, Max is. Yeah, he throws his all into it. He is. He's. But he loses his words at one point, and he says something like, Merry Thanksgiving, in his little yeah. kid voice. <laughs> and tries to rush out of there before his dad catches on. But Right. That leads to a chase back up the chimney and onto the roof, and Max almost falls off before he's caught at the last second by his father. But then his beard and hat fly off to the ground below, so we see what's up. And Matt explains, Matt. Max explains he wanted to make his dad happy like he did for everyone else. And that is when the real, actual Santa shows up at, like, five in the morning. 
<laughs> I thought the deal was he always is directly over your house and only your house at exactly midnight. Is that the is that canon? I thought so. <laughs> Santa slays a time machine. I believe we've mm-hmm. established on this podcast before. Right. Okay. Uh, but Santa flies overhead, and Max's new snowboard kind of floats slowly down from the sleigh, passing overhead into his hands. Doesn't bother with the whole chimney thing here. That precedent was set all the way back at the end of Rudolph. Santa just takes toys out of his bag and drops them out of the sleigh. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're this late in the in the evening, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm sure he means well. I'm sure he intends to give every household the whole chimney drop cookie taking thing but at a certain point he's had too many cookies he can't eat any more cookies and he's just got he's under a time crunch he's got a deadline to meet sure yeah. and if we're to believe that they live on the west coast that's one of the last time zones so mm-hmm. are they on the west coast i believe that it's hinted at that in other materials but <laughs> in the fictional state of Calisota. What? I, I believe the out. It's like The Simpsons. <laughs> Calisota. Yes. But, uh, All right. But it's apparently allegory to north of San Francisco. <laughs> People Which makes sense. I mean, if he's getting a snowboard, he's yes. going to be able to use that somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then we end with Santa blowing a bunch of snow onto Pete's driveway as a final <laughs> call me fake, will you? <laughs> and Goofy telling his son he already got what he needed, your happiness. Yeah, very sweet. I'm getting there. I'm struggling to think of what I want for Christmas. It's just like, can I just get a day to fix our sad-looking garden? That's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we anything else to add about a very goofy Christmas before we move? Um, I'll, I'll just say, I think that my, ever since becoming a new dad, I, my emotions are heightened, I found, mm-hmm. and both the scenes where Goofy is helping, like feeding that family dinner, and then also appears as Santa to those kids, I got somewhat choked up. Yep. I think that's legit. Yeah. I, there, there are some really powerful touch points throughout this. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of had like the reverse uh, reaction to it. I mean, I thought all of those things were moving, but in this, in this short, when Max is just, he, he's um, pouting, he's got his head shoved into his fists and he's like, you know, uh, Goofy's like, well, why don't we make some cookies? And he's like, what difference does it make? And he's so mad. And I you feel I'm be mad that. to reject cookies. The difference exactly. is you have cookies at the end. <laughs> That's the difference. But I could, I could totally feel uh, every. Uh, wrongful pout I'd ever made in my entire life in that moment. <laughs> it like all caught up to me and I I desperately wanted to grab that kid and shake him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to our final segment and of course the mouse has to be in the main event. It's Mickey and Minnie's <laughs> Gift of the Magi. And we come they didn't even... 
No. They didn't even uh, change the name nope. yeah. for this one. <laughs> no. Well, because it's a Mickey, so he's right. esteemed enough to, yeah, to carry it. Yeah. So you know, and then you know right out of the gate what to expect. And they cut yeah. to the chase pretty quickly here. Mickey wants to buy Minnie a gold chain for her watch. And Mickey is exceptionally smooth here as the boyfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's all, you wouldn't yes. have to have the time, would you, Minnie? Gosh, it's pretty good. Watch. Bed looks really nice with a gold chain around your pretty neck. <laughs> Mickey giving everybody the vapors. Uh, and, and Minnie wants to get Mickey a case for his harmonica, which he can't stop playing because it was never established in 70 years at the time that Mickey Mouse ever played a harmonica. I was just going to ask, is is there any precedent for this harmonica? So that's why they made half of this segment Mickey wailing on one so we can make this story make sense. I like it. I actually would be happy if this was, you know, continued to be a thing for Mickey. Sure, bring it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except now he doesn't have it. No. (laughs) Spoiler, spoiler. (laughs) Well... Mickey's working here at Crazy Pete's Christmas Tree Lot. So Pete's back, and now's a good time to mention, for those who don't know, I found this out much later when the kids started watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Pete is a cat. What? Really? Yes. They call him Pete the Cat at one point in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and that blew my mind. Well, it makes everything make sense, It does. Uh, Especially if you go back and you watch Steamboat Willie. He looks much more cat-like there. Mm. Nowadays, he's got that big, broad facial structure, so he looks more dog-like, and especially in Goof Troop. But if you look more closely at Goof Troop, him and even his wife and kids, they do have more of those cat-like features. Wow. It's like a Mandela effect. (laughs) <laughs> for everybody it's like a pizza dog guess what so you know it's his teeth his teeth do not look cat like at no, all no he's got the he's he got the goofy this. teeth he's got the square exactly yeah uh, so pete's trying to push a 10 foot tree on this poor family trying to talk them into a payment plan and Mickey sees they're really anxious about it and sell them, sells them a smaller tree within their budget instead. And the kid's happy. Everyone leaves happy, except Pete, who <laughs> takes the money Mickey got for his tips and fires him. Uh, well, well, first we need to mention, Pete's been smoking a cigar this whole time. Yeah. Which might seem shocking to some, but Disney's never really banned smoking until allegedly mm-hmm. recently. I think Bob Iger officially allegedly banned smoking from Disney movies targeted at children in 2015, I read. But then this year, we had Incredibles 2 and Edna Mode's there with a long cigarette holder. Uh, well, Pixar, they know they can do what they want. <laughs> well, smoke uh-huh. never comes out of it, y'all. It's just in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> she did not inhale. That's <laughs> <laughs> And we're back in 1999 again. (laughs) So Pete pockets the money and the cigar, which sets his pants and via domino effect his entire tree lot on fire. (laughs) Got it on himself. Yep. Uh, Meanwhile, Minnie is working at the department store Mortimer's 
And it's always weird to see them trying to bring back Mortimer Mouse. Yeah. Because they do it a little differently every time. He always resembles more of a rat than a mouse. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Usually Mortar, Mortimer's either got a Weasley New York accent or it's, right. or it's Maurice LaMarche doing a nasally ha-cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe you guys probably knew this, but I uh, was looking at the IMDb trivia page and apparently Mortimer was the first name that Walt considered for Mickey Mouse. That is correct. That's how he became an actual character uh, first in the short Mickey's Rival. So they used the name Mortimer there. Um, But here, Mortimer is Minnie's boss, voiced by Jeff Bennett doing sort of a Frank Nelson impression. And if you don't know Frank Nelson by name, you know his trademark. Yes? I've been making a list and checking it twice, and I found that you have been Santa's best little helper this season. Your hard work is about to be rewarded. <laughs> so it's that. There's, there's a character on The Simpsons that doesn't have a name, but it's just simply Frank Nelson type. Um, <laughs> so here it's Jeff Bennett doing a Frank Nelson voice as Minnie Mouse's employer at the department store. And Minnie's been pulling all sorts of extra work to get a nice fat Christmas bonus, only to discover it's a brick of fruitcake. <sighs> and it's here. It's like the jelly of the month cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's here that I realize I've never had fruitcake. I don't never? think I've ever. No, I don't think I've ever seen a fruitcake in real life. Is this still a Christmas thing, or is it just? <laughs> yes. Oh, it definitely really? is. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was just a trope now that we exclusively use as a gag, but fruitcake, is it as like hard to eat as I would say no. I think fruitcake is actually pretty edible. Um and it's definitely a Christmas thing. Um uh Ashley, my wife's dad, would have one every year for Christmas. Wow. That was that was uh a a staple. I think the thing the trick is to just pour whiskey over it and then mm-hmm. moisten yes, it up yes. real fast. Definitely <laughs> can benefit from a little added something. They draw the line at cigars here. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah, right. <laughs> we leave Minnie devastated as we cut to Mickey trying to buy that gold chain, but he gets stopped by a group of fire volunteers trying to run a toy drive. But the band that was supposed to play is busy over at Pete's tree lot putting out the fire he started with a cigar. So they try and get Mickey to play his harmonica for them, but he really wants no part of it until he locks (laughs) eyes with some sad kid given the sad eyes. Mickey's always been a sucker for the sads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he plays Jingle Bells, and then the band comes back in time to accompany him. And during this scene, we've got a case of Disney's favorite cost cutter, recycled animation. <laughs> so Mickey does this crazy little dance, and his tongue's waggling out of his mouth. And that's recycled from a 1942 short called Mickey's Birthday Party. Disney animation, the gift that keeps on giving. That's a birthday <laughs> dance, apparently. I guess. Well, you you could call that recycled animation. I call it consistency. I mean, if this is a dance Mickey does, why would he pull out a different dance? 
you know, if, there if you we've go. seen him. That's true. <laughs> it's just like he's playing his trademark harmonica. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yes. His trademark harmonica that uh, the fire chief who thanks him tells him he's got a great gift of music. Uh, made the toy drive a huge success. And that gives Mickey mm. the idea to trade in his trademark harmonica in exchange for that gold chain for Minnie. His trademark. <laughs> well, and, and Minnie's watch is apparently an heirloom that we've never heard right. or seen before. <clears throat> it's all part of the story. Uh, but of course, in a case of just short of perfect cartoon timing, he arrives just as the shop is closing. <laughs> but wait, upon hearing a dejected Mickey softly and sadly playing Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, the shop mm. owner reopens the door and makes the trade. And we that, end. that shop's gonna close. <laughs> He's making poor business decisions. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> we end with Minnie revealing, of course, that she traded her watch to get Mickey a case for the harmonica, and they both mm. are just sitting there thankful for each other in front of the fireplace. Oh, a case <laughs> for my harmonica. Oh my, a chain for my watch. Oh, Mickey, it's beautiful. But I traded my watch to get you that case. And I traded my harmonica to get a chain for your watch. Oh, Mickey, I can't believe you gave up what means the most to you for me. Oh, Minnie, you're all the music I'll ever need. <laughs> so, I, I, I recognize, like, this is... This is a classic story, and so you sort of know from the uh, from the outset how this is going to go. Right. If you're familiar with that story, yeah. um, and in a way, the their reaction it, it helps uh, soften the irony of the story because they do seem very legitimately happy with the resolution of how this has turned out. I, however. <laughs> was watching this and <laughs> I'm just trying to liken something in my life to Mickey's harmonica. And like mm. the best thing I could come up with was like my laptop, your trademark laptop, <laughs> my <laughs> trademark laptop. And I'm thinking like, yes, absolutely. The, the important thing about Christmas is sharing time with the people you love and being warm and cozy by the fire. And yes, this is the makings of a really memorable, wonderful Christmas. But then what do you do on December 26th when you no longer have your trademark laptop or your trademark harmonica? And so as the camera pulls away from their cozy abode, I just think to myself, I picture myself sitting on that couch with this horror-struck look coming over me <laughs> with the realization that I don't know what my life consists of anymore it's a, without your trademark. Without my trademark harmonica. Yeah. It's a joyless <laughs> life with no music and no one knows what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> Minnie comes out on top there because she gets a gold necklace. And a fruitcake. And oh, right. Fruit cake. That's right. She's still got the fruitcake. <laughs> Although many is dealt sh a short shrift in this, um, you know, because I, I feel like 
they're the story is is that they're both should be like equally trying to resolve this gift problem right and and we're definitely seeing way more of vicky's struggle to mm-hmm. get that we gift are. we 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 check in with Minnie every once in a while but we don't see sort of all of the trials that she's going through to figure out what to get mickey no. they just give us visual clues like at the beginning yeah. we see she's got bills piling up and <laughs> it's it's her cat figaro who makes an appearance who uh just kind of sits on the bills to hide them from Mickey's view. This oh the cat. Okay, so this further uh illustrates my theory. There's Figaro the cat who's yes. just a normal cat and now we know that there's Pete the cat. Yeah. Who's a sentient, you know, oh. cigar smoking cat. <laughs> so there's definitely some level of enlightenment going on here. You're either a Pluto or you're a Goofy. <laughs> it's the gloves. If you have the gloves and the that, clothes on. Yeah. That's probably a way to insult someone in uh, in this universe is to like, like Call them a Pluto? You know, refer, yeah, or refer to them as like the lower version of themselves. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. You don't even wear gloves. You don't even wear pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Donald doesn't wear pants. So good point. <laughs> but he, he's, he's kind like, of he's kind halfway. of a hybrid. He's somewhere yeah. in the middle. <laughs> if you look at Daisy, kind of her feathers look sort of like a a bottom there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, she's obviously a little more enlightened than Donald. So. Yeah, inside. Yes. And that's pretty much it. The special ends with everyone from all three segments coming back into a quick carol medley. And don't yet. Yeah, this medley really <laughs> bugs me. <laughs> Somehow I knew that was coming. I don't know why. But <laughs> it's and it's only for really for the end of it because they they sing fa la 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 jingle jingle bell. like they go yeah. into jingle First bells. They go in end. from. It, they end with "We wish you a merry Christmas," yeah. and then and a happy new deck dolls. <laughs> so they do it twice. <laughs> they need to cram in as much as they can here. Like, yeah. sorry, we're out of time, and here's all the songs. <laughs> I, I I did not like it. It's Maybe. mainly the jingle bells part I don't like. <laughs> Just because no one sings jingle bells in that way. No, that's true. No one. The other jingle, jingle unfaithful bells. rendition. <laughs> Get it right. Any final thoughts on Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas? I mean, overall, I, I will say, and so I, I had not seen this before. I was aware of it, and I did not expect much from it, but I was pleasantly surprised. I, I was entertained throughout, um, and it's always. I find that with the you know with Disney's Fab Five, if we can refer to them in that manner, um, I'm always on the fence of like watching something that features them um, yeah. because I'm always wondering if it's yeah. As a kid, it was you know I enjoyed them, but will it live up to that you know now as an adult? But it was good. I think they they carried their stories well, and I think you know those those very basic 
uh, character hierarchies that they all kind of fit into are, are they, they work well in these kinds of stories. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, uh, surprisingly done thing that uh, I certainly felt at the time was just a throwaway animated special to fill a slot in their release schedule when they didn't have <laughs> yeah. Pinocchio coming out for the fourth yeah. time on VHS or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it really think, resonates pretty strongly. And I would assume that that is what it was from a business standpoint, you know, but I think the, the, the creators of it, you know, really did put effort into it. You know, yeah. they, they, they could have easily kind of, uh, just crap this thing out <laughs> and called it. Yeah. A day. <laughs> but I think they really did put, you know, something into it. And I miss this animation style. It's very deep in the afternoon and they've kind of abandoned that yeah. these days in favor of either CGI as we'll get to in the next episode uh, mm-hmm. or, or this, I feel like it's a very Ren and Stimpy inspired retro with a hint of grotesque look that the new Mickey Mouse Shorts are, oh, and I love it. I love that new. I do, uh, but but it was nice to come back to this. Yeah, briefly. yeah. Well, thank you both for joining me for this one. Thank, thank you for having us. Uh, Drew and John will be back in our next episode, where we basically do all this again, but now in three dimensions. <laughs> so, We're in a time loop. Yes. yes. So. <laughs> Join us next time for Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Until then, from the Turducken Hunger Games, watch out for that icy patch. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Do you love fun? Do you love movies? Do you love TV shows? Do you love informative entertainment? But most of all, do do you you love love Christmas? Christmas? Then look no further, because we've got you covered. It's a 90s Christmas podcast is all about the most joyful and triumphant holiday in all its media. But only as far as the 90s are concerned. That's right. Our show not only is about the cheeriest time of the year, but also the cheesiest decade in world history. If that isn't an ideal combination, I don't know what is. Every week we will cover a movie, two sitcom episodes, and a Christmas special, as long as it came out between 1990 and 2002. You can find us on iTunes, Podomatic.com, Stitcher.com, and Spotify. I am Lyle Perez from America. I am Lasse Vogt from Germany. And it's a 90s Christmas podcast offering perspectives from two different parts of the world is waiting for you. Have fun. And no matter where you are or when you listen to this, a a very very Merry Christmas. Christmas. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. You've loved them for years. You're going to be great. Now, see them in an all-new holiday adventure. Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Hello. Minnie, it's me. This is Minnie Mouse. Leave me a message and have a Merry Christmas.